Hey there, this is Mike, and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. I'm really glad you're here. I'm still talking about Neville Goddard's 1954 lecture, The Coin of Heaven. I told you in my last episode that I love this lecture. I love it so much. So I thought, how would I sum this up? What do I get from this lecture, if someone were to ask me? <laughs> Neville uses some beautiful imagery in this one. And I'll read some of that in a bit. He taught that we're on a wheel of recurrence, ever living lives along this wheel, asleep to who we really are. And we continue on this wheel until we wake up and snap the circle. In this talk, he's calling on the audience to start being intentional about it, to be actively engaged in moving in imagination with the goal of waking up. He says, I bring you this message to make you conscious. Man must awake from the dream where he is simply an automaton, moving like a machine. When he awakes, he's not the man he seemed to be. He awakes a new being, a new man. The new man is a man of new conversations. We're told in Ephesians, put off the former conversations. They belong to the old man that is corrupt and put on the new man by a transformation of your mind. The new man is identified with new words. He speaks only kind words. He is incapable of an unlovely thought, incapable of even listening to the unlovely. When you do this, you find yourself awakening the Lord Jesus Christ, who's your own wonderful human imagination. Every time you use your imagination lovingly on behalf of another, you are literally awakening this inner man and mediating God to man. If I think of anyone in a loving way, I am in contact with that being and God flows toward him. He tells us to actively and daily imagine lovingly for others and ourselves, to refuse to accept anything less than what we want as final, to revise anything in our day, our life that is less than what we want to experience and to do so for others. As we do for others, we're doing for ourselves because we are all one. I love the imagery here in this quote. He says, Imagine yourself at the base of a wonderful waterfall. The water is flowing on you and through you. Now see it flowing from you towards someone else. I make this statement because it's a true statement. We are now in Eden, but we are asleep. Do you want to awaken? Do this. Just imagine yourself the center through which water radiates and everyone in this world is rooted in you and ends in you as I am rooted in God and end in God. You are in God's garden. It's Eden and every man in the world has a plot 
in the garden. Let me now look at my friend's plot in my garden. As I look, I see trees, some called health, others wealth. I see a tree of dignity, one of nobility, and even a tree of being wanted. They may be withered because they're in need of water, so I water them. And in my mind's eye, I watch the leaves appear on that which was formerly a barren plant. I see the fruit appear, and I know. Wherever my friend is in this world, as I water his garden, which is really my own garden, he will embody the very qualities the tree is now beginning to bear and radiate. You name the tree. Your friend feels unwanted. You name it and let the water flow towards it. See it growing healthy in that garden. See it put out leaves and bring forth fruit. And wherever he is, he will begin to be wanted by people in his world. If he's unemployed, it's a tree of employment. See it radiate leaves and its fruit, and he will be gainfully employed. This is not an idle statement. Everyone can and should do it. Whenever you water a tree in the garden of another, you are watering your own garden in the eternal one of God. For every man can make this statement, I am the vine and you are the branches. You, individually, are the central vine of God's garden and everyone in your world is a branch of that vine. When I, as a central vine, water a branch in my garden, at that same moment, I am being watered. I don't have to water my own, just be taking care of the many gardens in God's Eden. I take care of my own garden, which is in the vine of everyone in the world. Try it and bless everyone in the world. Eventually, the eye opens, the ear opens, and the inner man awakes. Then you will see the most glorious world which has always been there, but we, in our sleep, have shut it out. Take me seriously, for your next life is this life. Make this life what you want it to be, because if you don't, you will find yourself automatically walking the same track, repeating this life. If I could only take you within me and let you see with the inner eye, you would see everyone in the world as automatons, just sleeping people. Yes, their eye is open, and they seem to be awake, but they are really sound asleep, for they're repeating the same things. Hmm. Isn't that a beautiful way to play in imagination? Oh, I love that. You're revising there. What he's describing is revision. There's nothing experienced outside of yourself, so when you know something about someone, you know they're broke, they're sick, they're lonely, you revise what you know about them. You don't try to convince them or talk to them. Here's what you need to do. You need to stop focusing on the negative. You need to start focusing on the positive. And uh, here's Neville's book. <laughs> now you can do that, but the change comes from within you. The change comes from within you.
It always comes from within you because everyone is within you, rooted in you and ending in you. So you change your concept of them. You remember them differently, know them differently. I realize I have a lot of newer listeners who might not be as familiar with Neville's teaching about what he calls revision as other listeners. So I want to direct you to a few episodes that I've done in the past in which I talk about revision and imagining for others. I talk about that a lot throughout the episodes, but these three, I can remember I specifically talked about them. That's what the episode was about. Check out episodes uh, 130. The title of that one is Sucker Plucker. Episode 156, Remember It Differently. And episode 193, Snip Snip. (laughs) Neville says that because of the curvature of time, that yesterday's events will meet us in the future. And if we don't address it, revise it in imagination to conform to what we want to experience, we'll see it come up again in the future. My neighbor has this tiny little dog. His name's Dodger. He calls him Dodger because he says he dodged a bullet. He rescued him from the dog pound. So Dodger is a tiny dog compared to my dog. But for a Chihuahua, he's a big boy. He likes to eat, apparently. Well, anyway, this round Chihuahua has chosen my front yard for his... Um, his dumping ground. (laughs) One day I noticed he had left a pile in the grass right on the edge of the driveway, right where I normally walk. And as I walked past it from my car, I noticed it and I thought about taking care of it and going inside and grabbing a plastic bag and picking it up and throwing it away or grabbing a shovel maybe, doing something. But I didn't. I thought, eh, I'll just Be careful next time. Well, later that same day, I'm walking back to my car, and guess what I did? I stepped right in the poop. (laughs) That's a very basic illustration, but it holds up. (laughs) If I ignore the poop today, I will likely step in it tomorrow or the next day. (laughs) Neville tells the audience, So I have no doubt that everyone will awake, but why not start the awakening process now? And you start by practicing the art of revision. You try it. Don't treat it idly. I ask you and I beg you to read and read over and over the chapter, The Pruning Shears of Revision. That's from his book, Awakened Imagination. He goes on to say, take it day after day and never let the sun descend upon your wrath. Any vexation or any problem of the day, resolve it before you sleep and carry that resolved picture into sleep and you will find the inner man awakening. I found that just like when I'm imagining for anything else, effortlessness is key. I noticed that I can spend my day distracted with all sorts of activities and uh, easily ignore things that I think of as problems. But whatever I'm trying to ignore (laughs) will come up. It'll come rushing up in the evening. For me, it's always 
the, the little bit of time, those few minutes from when I'm brushing my teeth and then going to bed and falling asleep. That's when the junk from yesterday, last week, last year, all comes up. Anything unresolved that I'm not dealing with, addressing in imagination. And that stuff used to keep me up for hours at night. Oh, you ever have those nights? That's how it used to be for me. Making my body sick. And then I would just bring that junk with me the next day. And when I did that, I noticed, I started noticing that that just comes up automatically as I'm doing these passive things like standing in, in the front of the mirror in the bathroom, brushing my teeth, letting my mind wander. So I chose to be intentional about it. That's when I revise my day. I don't make a big production out of it. I just do it right then as I'm brushing my teeth and getting ready for bed and then lying down on the bed. And as I drift off to sleep, I'll suggest to myself, I'll suggest a topic for the evening. I'll suggest something to explore or discover while I'm asleep. Try it. Just put a topic for discussion up as you drift off to sleep. Something to uh, have fun with while you're sleeping. I had a dream one night. In the dream, I had all of my shoes lined up on a table. I was spraying them, trying or trying to spray them rather, with crep. Crep is that's a brand name, but it's a protectant against water and stains. I couldn't get it right though. I kept trying. I was trying really hard. I was pressing the button on the can down very hard, putting all my strength into it, and it, it just came gushing out in thick globs and was coating the shoes with just this thick, messy goo. Then a person next to me, I didn't know who it was. All I saw was their hand, their arm and their hand as they reached forward and put their hand over mine as I held the can of crepe. And he said, use a light touch. A light touch is all that's needed. And right then, all effort dissolved. And I merely had to think of spraying the shoe. And the protectant went over each shoe perfectly. I watched it just coat the shoe perfectly and then disappear, turn clear like it's supposed to, perfectly and easily. I woke up that morning with light touch. Use a light touch echoing in my mind. The night before, I had been struggling with an issue. I'd been trying everything I could to, to fix it on the outside, try to force it to find a resolution in all the normal ways, like arguing, debating, coercing, threatening, those kinds of things. <laughs> and I couldn't find one. The next day, I saw it all so clearly. A light touch is all that's needed for any perceived problem or any aim, desire in life. Use a light touch. For some time, I'd read Neville and heard him say, don't burst a blood vessel doing it when talking about uh, assuming the state of the wish fulfilled. But after that dream, I felt it. You ever have those experiences where you know something, but then after the experience, you know something with a capital K. You feel it down in your bones. A light touch is all that's needed when imagining any wish fulfilled. 
That's how I revised what the doctors were telling us the night my son had been in a motorcycle crash a few years ago. As the doctor in the emergency room was telling us how badly our son was injured and what parts of his body he was going to lose, I revised what he was saying. Right there in the ER, I heard him say, we're surprised at how well he's doing. The next morning, after two surgeries, the surgeon, not the same doctor in the emergency room, but the surgeon came in and said, we're shocked at how well he's doing. Hmm. Every time a doctor would tell us anything, I'd revise it because every time they would tell us something, it was uh, less than what I wanted. Even after they said, we're shocked at how well he's doing. I still revised what they were saying. When they told us that our son would be in the trauma center for at least a few weeks or several weeks rather, and then spend a couple of months in a rehab hospital, I revised it. As I would fall asleep on the couch in the hospital room, I'd bring the doctors, the nurses up in imagination and revise what they had said during the day. I would hear them tell us and tell me exactly what I wanted for my son. He was back home in two weeks, not several months. And now he's thriving, really thriving. I'm going to wrap this up with one more quote from The Coin of Heaven, or Mental Tracks, if you're using Margaret Ruth Broom's book. Start revising this day and watch the circle begin to snap. Watch the eye begin to open. I tell you, when the eye opens, there isn't a possession in the world that you would want more than the opening of that eye. Your values change. The meaning of life changes. For you wouldn't sell the eye that opens for all the wealth of the world. You wouldn't exchange it for any recognition in the world now conferred upon the so-called great. You see the so-called great all equally sound asleep, playing their parts, walking curved lines. But you have snapped it and moved into a wonderful world of awakened humanity. And there you see these glorified beings, but really glorified beings, who preceded you into the conscious circle of humanity. I love you. I'm feeling twisty.